Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, the last week of 2022, we're going to be gearing up for next week, actually, which is CES. Oh, my God, Sherlyn. It's our favorite time of the year. I'm sure our listeners and our readers will agree it's when we, we go to Las Vegas and there's just a bounty of gadgets. So we're going to talk about the stuff we expect at CES next year, um, next year slash next week. It's a crazy thing to say. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever, really. Reviews are always helpful, no matter the platform. You could drop us an email at podcast.engadget.com. And uh, typically, we'll be doing live streams of the show on Thursday mornings, uh, starting around 10.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern. So that's a new thing for next year. Typically, it used to be 10 a.m., but 10.30 a.m. Join us if Good you can. Good news for me. Yeah. Good news for Sherlyn, <laughs> who works out right before the show. <laughs> yes. So CES, I feel like this is going to be a weird one because we have half of the team is going to be on the ground. A lot of people are going to be remote. I'm remote. Um, Sherlyn, you are going to be on the ground. And also, you're going to be on the ground with uh, senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? I, I don't know. I don't know if you judge the gadget nerdiness among the staff, but I feel like this is the crew that, that geeks three. out yep. on certain things. Um, so, yeah, we are going to talk about what's happening at CES next week. How are you guys feeling, by the way, like leading up to the show? Because this feels to me, this show feels precarious. It feels like um, everyone's a little sick. We still yeah. like who knows what's happening with COVID precautions with China, and with, and with China with, coming. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Sure, yeah. How are you guys um, feeling? Did you see that link I sent you? There's a news story that said mm-hmm. uh, on a flight from China to Italy, half the people from yeah, China Milan, yeah. were had COVID on the flight. Yep. Now, yep. it's hard yep. to say that, like, obviously, different country, different situation. Um, there's been a big COVID boom in China. And obviously, a lot of the products that we test are made in China. So there's going to be a lot of representatives, company people flying over. And so it'll be interesting to see... I'm, I'm just, we might all just get, get COVID. Be, be, be careful. Be careful. Yeah. I, so Davindra and I talked about this yesterday to, to and Davindra sent me a, a, a mask recommendation, Envo mask to buy and bring there. And I want to, I don't know if I'm going to get it in time. So I'm going to just see if I can buy it in person. Um, I, I, I do want to point out before we go too far too, this will be Sam's first CES with a gadget. Wow. So... First of all, welcome to the team. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is the real christening, right? You're, you're not, you're not yes. really part of the team until you've been to CES. 
Exactly. You're going to get to meet everybody. the the handful of people that are going to be there. <laughs> well, I the believe ones, it wasn't yeah. last year, Sam, you joined us right after CS, right? You're, yeah. Yeah. Closing it, it out for Gizmodo. So yeah, exactly. Welcome. And then, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but, um, we pulled Gizmodo pulled out of CS last year because of, you know, COVID, COVID concerns. So in, in some ways it's almost like a existential, like crisis for CS as a whole, because it's like, you know, a lot of people pulled out last year and then there's going to be more people going this year. But also, even like before the pandemic, uh, there was like an unusually amount of like empty booths and empty floor space in the convention center. So I'm curious to see how that's going to feel like on the ground this year. That brings me to a point that I think we would do good for our CES preview, which is that we're hearing from a lot of companies already that very few of them are actually booking or booths uh, in the convention center itself. A lot of them are doing their own things in suites or off-sites. A lot of them don't even plan to be uh, at the convention center. They just are taking sales meetings um, away from, from the crowd. And, and some of these are pretty like, big names, too. Yeah. Dell. Dell will not be on the ground CES. Um, so, yeah, I guess we do will we, see. Mm-hmm. Do we think this will help minimize spread of diseases? Um. <laughs> I feel like not having the show is the best way to minimize the spread of diseases. But, uh, you know, that that is a rant for another section. It seems like society and capitalism has to move forward. So just deal with getting sick, everybody. I will say I am excited. I will say that it's been a while. I want to see the team. I think we're taking some precautions. Last year, I hear it kind of, it was a weird, a weirder CES, I think, than it's going to be this year. It was kind of a ghost town. Our good friend Chris Velasco went last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember. And he told yeah. us we didn't miss anything. Exactly. It was so just this it was year. just Chris like wandering the strip alone. Basically, it's it's like a it's like the out. John Travolta meme gif where he's just like spinning around the circles, oh, no. being like, "Oh, where's everybody?" Let's dive into like stuff we expect, and uh, you know what? I want to start with the stuff that is I think near and dear to all of our hearts, all three of us, yeah. and that is stuff around computers and PCs. And CES is usually a very big show for all the major like component companies, not to mention the people actually making computers. But uh, this year, I just want to quickly say like. We're definitely expecting some new stuff from Intel. They just debuted their 13th gen chips, which seem super powerful. They've been really well reviewed on the desktop front. We're waiting to see like how things go more on the laptop side of things. AMD will likely be releasing their new or announcing their new Ryzen chips. That usually happens almost every year. AMD is also going to be talking about their GPUs. Um, They've also been hyping up like the new, um, is that the 7000 series? Uh, Whatever's going to be heading to mobile. And NVIDIA just like laid out their RTX 4000 series of GPUs on desktops. Um, I have reviewed a bunch of those already. They're super powerful. Um, Everybody's expecting that to show up on uh, laptops too. So are you guys excited about any of this? Just faster, newer hardware? I'm excited to not cover a lot of these next year and have you and Sam do a lot of the reviews. This is is, is just diva status uh, showing. I feel like we need more Dyson combo headphone masks for Shalane. Yeah, right. Hell yes, yeah. hell yes. Yeah. This, it, it, apparently, we, apparently this is too nerdy for Shalane. Um No, it's not. It's not. But I, go ahead. I, I will say um, I, I am um, excited about the new some of the new laptop chips. Um, I've heard some good things about some like really noticeable performance gains for Intel's new 13th gen chips. Um, obviously, numbers are still kind of up in the air, but we're t- we're not we're talking a lot more than just like a five or ten percent bump, um, and so that could you know really mean a lot, especially for you know people who are world warriors and need that like power on the go. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last year, um, so we got Intel's 12th gen chips, which were their first like hybrid designs, you know, the ones using high powered and low powered um, cores. And those things were phenomenal. Like they right. were so fast, even though the Ryzen chips at the time were also super fast. So this back and forth between Intel and AMD is super exciting. And the good news for consumers is that you buy a new computer, you're going to get a fast computer, most likely. Right. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so these 13th gen CPUs catch me up a little bit, Dev. So they're, they're I'm seeing they go up to 24 cores, 5.8 gigahertz clock speed. On the desktop side, still yeah. On the desktop side, okay. And then w- w- does the desktop side use the hybrid design? Or Everything the uses cores? the hybrid design. Mm-hmm. So nice. I, I think this was the thing Intel did because they can't scale down their fabrication as low as AMD has, as everybody else has. They're like, oh man, the Intel, it's taking you so long to get to 10 nanometers and 7 nanometers. So Intel re- like rebadged the branding of their fabrication. So there's like different numbers for it. But the key is that this hybrid design, we've seen this on mobile before, is you have high-powered cores, you have low-powered cores. The combination of them should lead to better battery life, but also better performance, like better performance all around. And last year, those 12 gem chips were crazy. So I uh, actually have I have a 13 gem chip sitting here, but I don't have I don't have a motherboard or hardware to put it in, like on the desktop side. Um, but the reviews say they've been very fast. I'm really excited. I also feel like AMD is looking at this, being like, "Well, we gotta we gotta step it up." So I do like it when two competitors are like just always trying to one up each other. That just means good products or better products for everybody. Uh, do you, you have any feelings on the AMD stuff, Sam? Um, I'm I'm curious to see like if we see some of that chiplet stuff that AMD has been touting for, you know, potentially like mobile uh, GPU design. Um, because we've seen that before on some of the desktop stuff. I want to see that you know kind of you know trickle down to the mobile stuff. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how how that and that that's sort of been AMD's like kind of response to what Intel has been doing. So that's uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how effective that strategy will be. Yeah. And to put it, the chiplet thing is sort of like Legos, I guess, like Legos of having a single APU or ch- a single chip that has a CPU core, the graphics core, sometimes even like the memory, like right in there, or at least better caches, all with super fast interconnect. So I'm running one of AMD's latest Ryzen desktop processors right now. And yeah, my the benchmarks have been crazy. And I know the 13th gen chips are better, but... This is still crazy fast. Like AMD has done great work um, over the last year. So I'm excited. Um, GPU stuff, I feel like that's more the gamer side thing. Sam, have, do you have any feelings even for NVIDIA or AMD going into this? Yeah, I mean, so obviously we got the big 40 series cards, uh, you know, last fall. So we're expecting to see some of those, you know, those 40 series cards come over to the mobile side. Um, and I, I think it, I'm actually a little bit more excited for the mobile uh, RTX 40 series GPUs just because... Um, you know, I, I, people have been a little upset about the pricing on the desktop components. And so yep. hopefully we get a little bit more reasonable pricing for the laptop stuff. Um, and so you can have, you know, a much more powerful mobile GPU without maybe what some people have perceived as price gouging from NVIDIA on the component side. These cards are expensive. I just reviewed the uh, the Radeon RX 7900 XDX and XT, which cost, uh, what do they cost? Like uh, 900 bucks? It's 900 and 1000, yep. And they're perfectly fine, fast cars, but man, they still can't get their their ray tracing like as fast as NVIDIA. I really miss DLSS and all the like good AI upscaling that NVIDIA has. And also, freaking freaking AMD cards just killing my computer. Just this is a battle I have been fighting with Radeon video cards. I feel like my entire desktop computing life. I moved to when I went to college. I bought an a Radeon All in Wonder. 
You guys remember that? That was the one with the TV tuner chip. Mm-hmm. That was like 2001. So I had a desktop PC that could like tune into cable channels and whatnot. And that was super cool. Um, the drivers were always crap. 10 years ago, when I finally like had time to like get back more into desktop GPUs, AMD drivers kept failing me. And now with these two cards, oh man, um, when they crashed, they like killed my system so hard. I had to unplug the, the power supply. I had to reset the BIOS just to get windows to boot so that's purely hardware and a bit of like software finicking there so hopefully things are going to be better on the laptop side of things um but at least amd is doing better on laptop graphics uh from what we've seen too so these are the components any particular kinds of laptops we're looking forward to i feel like we saw a few dual screen machines throughout 2022 they were okay they weren't great um, feelings on that, Sherlyn. I'm curious to see what Razer brings this year. I feel like every CES, every CES has been Razer's show, right? It's not just like thin and like gaming, gaming laptops, like oh, someone in the live stream chat mentioned, but they've they've also done interesting form factors. One time they did that one where they, you know, you stuff a phone into the laptop case and it becomes the trackpad for the for the laptop. I don't know if you remember that. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Remember when it seems Razer like what? made phones? Yeah, remember when Razer made? Well, do they still has? They haven't in a while. But remember when Razer made masks? I'm curious to see what comes out of Razer in the wearable side of things. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but no, it's been a, it's usually like what a big gaming laptop show too, because Asus and ROG uh-huh. come through yeah, with some things yeah. too. I feel like you know what what really new has come from Razer though, because like the Razer Blade still looks like the Razer Blade did five years ago, right? Like it's still the same basic design. Um, I feel like the 17 inch is kind of, is kind of good, but the 70 is pretty small for a 17 inch gaming laptops, but I don't know. I still feel like Razer kind of peaked because they copied Apple so well. And they're like, Oh, where do we go from here? I don't know. Right. right. Razer's kind of like the Apple for gaming laptops, but actually that brings up a good point because this has kind of like been a trend that's been happening, but I think it's going to really like, people are going to notice it more uh, at CES where um, we've seen like back in the day, it was like you had the 13 inch, the 15 inch, and the 17 inch laptops. And those are the standard sizes, but because of like a, a bunch of different factors, most notably like smaller bezels on displays and just like general, like weight shaving and uh, space savings utilities. We're now seeing like 13, but 14, 16, 18 inch laptops. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're going to see a lot more 16 and 18 inch laptops at CES um, which is good because, you know, everyone wants a bigger screen, but you don't want necessarily a bigger physical laptop. And so it, it'll be nice to see that um, kind of trend continue. For sure. I've always been a little disappointed by 13-inch gaming laptops. Like, I've, I've tried the Razer. Like, they had the Stealth for a while. They always feel too cramped. Like, I can't get into a shooter. I can't really get into a game on a screen that small. Whereas at least 14 inches, you're you're a little bigger. It's a little more expansive. I feel like 15 and 16 has always been the sweet spot in terms of, like, portability and actually immersive size. Um, yeah. Thoughts, Sherlyn? Like, do you would you rather have smaller gaming laptops? I know you're finally starting to play games real games like vampire survivors <laughs> is yeah. that a real game i've been playing it it's on one iOS. of the best games of this year <laughs> what do you so, mean is yes, it a real game, a real game. yeah it, it, it's, it's a, a real great game. game really y'all i've been telling people i have so many sick runs on this vampire it's a great, that's what a good so game is it's better than yeah. cooking mama you know like excuse don't you don't you bless me don't you dare come I, for my overcooked anyway no um, I, I'm, I, I mean, I don't think I'll get like a dedicated laptop for gaming, but if I did, I surely want like, I have friends who use Asus laptops that are like 17 inches. And first of all, much, when Sam, yeah. I think 
think is fine. I think when Sam said 14, 16, and 18, my Chinese brain went straight to like, oh, even number's good. Even, even number's good. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, there's an eight in that model name. We, we like. Um, you gotta but get an 88, than, 88 inch laptop for sure. Like. Oh, <laughs> dude, get me an 88 inch mm-hmm. TV. I will. I, 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 yeah, like, what happens when NVIDIA places. gets to their 8,000 series cards? I feel like. It's going to go crazy. That's, that's what yeah. Snapdragon did. That's what Qualcomm yeah. did with yeah. the Snapdragon They just kept it. They kept it. Yeah, they, they went eight. to eight and it's like, we're staying here forever. We're not moving. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're done. This is good for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I think 13-inch or 14-inch machines for gaming, like you said, there's just so many limitations with them. I, I don't really get why they do. I would love to hear a laptop maker tell us, like, especially for gaming, what the sales Oh, no, I've, I've asked. I've asked. Certainly, I've asked and Razer. I've, had, I've asked if it's like, why are you making these? They're slow. They're more expensive. and They run super hot. They're, and they're like, people buy them. That's really it. Like, even the people I usually talk to are like, I would not get one of these for myself. But pe- some people out there would pay more money for a smaller computer. It's very weird. It's very wild. Um, some other things we should probably mention, like, it's been a good time for ultra portables. I feel like they're getting faster. Um, there has been a lot written about Intel's P-series chips from last year. So I've seen, I think it was both Verge and Laptop Mag and a bunch of other folks are saying like the P-series were basically a complete failure from Intel. And I don't know if you have feelings about that. Sam, you may have some thoughts because, so P was, Intel used to have the U-series chips, right? Which were their typical ultra portable, like uh, low power chips. And then they used to have the, uh, was it the S-series or like the the more powerful um processors for laptops and for gaming laptops and whatnot the h series that's what it was h exactly yeah and then the p series came in and they're like okay 28 watts how about how about like in between how about in between ultra portables and and higher powered stuff so the xps 13 plus had a p series chip a whole bunch of the like more premium ultra portables had them i didn't have you had experience with these things Sam, yeah, a, a little bit. And the, the thing I think what, what like is kind of disappointing is that like you don't really notice the difference. And I think that's like a lot of people like, oh, that's what the failure is, because it's like theoretically it's supposed to, you know, deliver more performance, you know, better computing. But in practice, you don't notice the difference in speed. So it's like unless you're benchmarking, right? Like you see better benchmark numbers, but that's it. I think in practice, what you see is lower battery life. And mm-hmm. like the XPS 13 plus had not great battery life compared to what we saw from the XPS 13. So it seemed like not a great trade-off, to be honest. If you're getting a thin and light, I think you want more battery life rather than raw horsepower, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, I was going to say, that's kind of what like I like about the the 14-inch, the, the, the new breed of 14-inch thin and light gaming laptops, is that like I want something that can allow me to play games, but I don't need to have all the graphics set to like ultra. But... I want something that I can k- still carry around. So I'm not carrying like, you know, those old like 10 pound, 17 inch, like desktop replacement things. I want something that I can actually don't feel like is a workout just to like bring it outside the house. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I feel like that's it. And that's something the Steam Deck does really well too. We should mention that we're probably going to see more handheld gaming PC type devices this year too. Um, maybe not something else from Valve, but certainly other competitors. Logitech already showed off that one they're doing, um, is that with Tencent? But the one that's mainly around cloud gaming, which I, I will not trust anybody selling a cloud gaming focused handheld because you can't rely on Wi-Fi. You want to have some local power there. You want to be able to run Vampire Survivors, you know, in airplane mode, like while you're on a plane and away from something. And that is basically all I've been doing with the Steam mm. Deck. And I, ca- I can live with the lower quality graphics because the screen is smaller. So if I'm running 
God of War or even Elden Ring in 720p, I, I don't feel it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, it still looks good. It still plays well. And it lets me play on, in my bed or on my couch away from this desk that I'm chained to for most of the yeah. day. So we're going to see more gaming PC devices too or handheld. Are you intrigued by any of those, Sherlin? I feel like that is our ultimate moment. When we get Sherlin a Steam Deck, which is bigger than her head. I want one. Uh, it's bigger than my head. It is so I. I I, I didn't want I didn't know that I wanted one until Vampire Survivor, that's for sure, because I cannot play on iOS anymore. The controller situation is terrible. On iOS for Vampire Survivor, the joystick just takes up like a quarter yeah. of the screen. You it's can't terrible. see like half the screen and you want you want something physical. Like really what I do with Vampire Survivors is I have like one hand on the joystick kind of holding the thing, another hand like with drinks or like doing other stuff. Like sometimes ah, even nice. like controlling benchmarks or something while I'm testing computers. Um but it's nice to have that kind of confidence of a gamepad. So Exactly. Anyway. And it's not mm-hmm. it's not yet on Switch, which is what annoys me. I would get it on my Switch and play it so hard right now, but I can't. Now the other thing it's gonna get go to ahead. Switch, yeah. Uh, so anyone who gets a new Steam Deck, if you go on the forums, everyone always recommends get Vampire Survivors and you play that while you download everything else that you want to play mm-hmm. later. Oh, that's a good idea. It, it's only like five hundred megs or something. It's something. It's a really tiny Ooh. game. It downloads in less than a minute. Um, and actually, it's interesting that you bring up like the kind of PC console things because I actually got something new from uh, Aya Neo in that I'll be reviewing probably after CES, um, oh, just nice. given, given nice. timeframes. And then uh, GPD, which is like has been in the space for a long time, they actually just announced their GPD Win 4, which is looks kind of like uh, a Steam Deck and a PS, uh, PSP or a PS Vita had a baby. Um, and so I think uh, I think they'll be at CES, and I'm going to want to go take a hands-on with that uh, if, uh, if mm-hmm. I can. There's a lot of room for like innovation there. It's just Also, sometimes I bring out my PS Vita, and I just like hold it, and I'm like, man... You were beautiful. You were a beautiful creature. You're a beautiful creature with an OLED screen and you like you let me play Persona 4 Golden, you know, like it could do so much and Sony just never supported it. And now it seems like we're in a place where the hardware is better for everybody and you could play actual PC games. And if you could get your whole freaking Steam library just like in your hands, a lot of people have spent over a decade. How long has Steam been around? It was the orange box, right? So that was like 2008. Yeah, prior, prior to that. I, I, yeah, have, so. I have a friend who was a long time a day defeat gamer, and he always talks to me about how he has a Steam ID that's four digits because he got it like right like the day it was announced. Yep. yep. Um, wow. Yeah. So Steam has been around forever. We have all collected people who have been buying games on PC have hundreds of games, most likely, and to have a device that you could just like. I'm bored. I want to play like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic one or something. And you could just do it at the drop of a you know touch of a button. It's kind of fantastic. So, hey, we're going to keep an eye on this. Um, yeah. So I'm doing a transition right sure. now. Okay. Go, remember, go. remember, there was this report that Lenovo was working on a handheld gaming console that also never came to pass. Hey, speaking of Lenovo, <laughs> <laughs> usually we see a lot of stuff from them at CES, including not just laptops, but like all kinds of other stuff. We're probably going to see them do things this year. Hopefully this handheld gaming console that they were, I don't know, sort of maybe showing or not uh, comes to comes to pass. I, I, I bet that would be cheap, but I don't know if it'll be good. I don't know. I don't know if I could trust Lenovo anymore. But you know what? It sounds like you're transitioning to phones and tablets, Sherlyn. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. since I'm wearing my Microsoft Clippy holiday shirt, um, <laughs> say, would you like to transition? Yeah, why not? Uh, no, I think... So speaking of Lenovo, Lenovo also owns Motorola, in case people forgot. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did actually Uh, forget about that. Everyone forgets. Everyone forgets that the reason Moto is trash right now is probably because they're run by Lenovo. Sam's making a face that he agrees with me, I think. 
Uh, Sam, Remember when uh, Google uh, owned Motorola, guys? That was like a, a really weird couple of years. For a hot minute. They, they, so they made the, the Moto X. The Moto X. And people yeah. loved yeah. that thing. And then Google's we like, all right, we're done. We're going to sell it. We're going to sell Moto. We, we, we were dabbling. I don't yeah. like, you know. I feel like that was that was the, the moment where my any hope I had for Google's consumer devices just failed because I was there at the Moto X launch. I was there talking to executives. They're like, yeah, we're going to make super custom you know phones you could design. You could do all sorts of stuff. But anyway. That's a tangent. What's Motorola up to now, Sherwin? Yeah, no, Sam, do you have any idea? Because usually Motorola comes through with some budget phones at CES timing or no? Yeah, um, like obviously because of Mobile World Congress is usually in like, you know, early February. Um, uh, CES isn't a huge show for phones and tablets and stuff like that. But there are always a few little things like Samsung uh, usually sneaks out some sort of like A series or like budget, like mid, mid, yeah, mid range budget something. Um, we're not sure if that's going to happen, but maybe. Um, and, and sort of similar to like, you know, TCL, uh, for some reason, they always announce their stuff at CES. Um, so we see, see a new generation of phones from them. They'll do the thing where they announce it, they will tease it at CES, and then they'll actually show it at NWC. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a good point. Because I was like, here's the name of our new series. And it's something like, you know, the last one was the, the TCL 30 series. Like, oh, this is not like a very <laughs> like... Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's holding their breath to see the naming of that brand. No. Exactly. Um, it feels like if you're a company trying to make a just make a splash in phones, like why would you wait for the event where everybody is talking about their own phones? Like why wouldn't you try to do something yourself at CES and be like, hey, pay attention to me, look at me. That's all this is yeah. for. Yeah. There's no phone news. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and then as, as far as CES goes, uh, there have been a few leaks. You know, obviously they can't confirm anything right now. But uh, I think one of the interesting things, as uh, Sherlyn was alluding to, was there's going to be a Motorola Think phone. So I, so that's one of the interesting things is that, like, people uh, – Lenovo has owned Motorola for a hot minute, but you haven't seen a lot of, like, the Lenovo-Motorola collaboration. Um, and they, they kind of did, the uh, like, a little bit on the business side because there's the, the Lenovo-Motorola Ready 4 system that is, like, right, so similar right. to Samsung DeX. But no one really ever talks about it. And so now – I'm I'm a little worried here because first of all the name ThinkPhone I didn't realize last year um, Lenovo rolled out ThinkBooks mm-hmm. where yeah. I'm just like you're not just last year it was before but it's like you're yeah. you're known for ThinkPads right you, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. the ThinkPad company what are you doing you, because people know the brain I know I I, I yeah. hear you because my insights are like just cringing as you want to be a MacBook so hard you want to be a MacBook so hard right so so, so we, no, we well, have. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's think pads, there's think books, there's think monitors, I believe. Yep. And think vision, think vision, think vision. Yep. Uh, and there's also think boxes for the little small, small business desktop PCs. And so now we're getting a think phone, which is going to be uh, a Motorola. It's not even a Lenovo. It's going to, I think it's going to be a Motorola business oriented by Motorola. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a business oriented enterprise focused phone of some sort oh man this leak um, picture looks so bad it looks like just design wise it looks like how, how do we make the most I boring can't. phone possible maybe maybe a little bit of carbon fiber on the back that's a little boring. right so so tie it into the oh. thinkpad line with oh. the carbon fiber and then who knows what, what else we're gonna get this is like when 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 our when our owners were Verizon and then they released a phone plan called the Yahoo Mobile plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just it's very painful brand synergy but but that this feels like that to me right and nothing about this feels good to me but we'll see it looks very what is it like a moto phone that's just like redressed in a business suit 
you know, sort of. Mm-hmm. And, and it has some like some more security uh, focused features because obviously, like you know, corporate enterprise stuff, they you know, they don't want data leaking out. Um, we also would not want a brand new device like from any company. It's like I want if I'm buying 500 phones for my company, it's like I want this thing to have been out for five years. And I want you to have like iterated on this design and yada yada yada. So maybe they're just getting started here, but I oof. yeah, okay. it, it seems okay, like it might be a this. tough sell because usually like. You know, especially uh, just in the U.S., um, you either get a choice of like a iPhone or a Samsung, and you know, so you get your your uh, iOS or Android choices, and that's it. So it if could you be even a get tough a choice, yeah, right. It, so it could be a tough sell for for Motorola to kind of break into that, but uh, I guess we'll see. I guess we shall see. Anything else you want to mention on phones or tablets? I feel like tablets are just, I don't know, man. Nobody cares about Android tablets. Maybe maybe we'll see some more e-ink like fun times, but that's that's kind of it. Yeah, yep. I, 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 think, I think. Oh, sorry, uh, Sherlyn. I, I think we are going to see some new, um, some e-ink or some like something like the TCL Next Paper, where like they're trying to like deliver a more, I guess, like organic uh, approach to tablet design. So it's not it's not quite like a super shiny OLED screen, but it's also not like a dull e-ink screen and so maybe we'll see, i think we'll see some of those but like like you said nothing really noteworthy in the tablet space when when ces is over we'll come back and eat our words that's uh <laughs> we'll see right we don't know right now <laughs> okay let's move on from phones and tablets uh home entertainment is always usually a big thing at ces so we are typically there to see big tvs uh maybe some new monitors projectors all sorts of things um this is more my side of things but i also know sam like you you love displays and you love display tech so just broadly i feel like oled is going to be bigger and bigger this year probably in more gaming monitors probably more monitors in general oled tvs have kind of hit a standstill but the quantum dot oled technology we talked about last year which adds quantum dots for better color range and maybe a little higher brightness like that has been in a couple of sets so far um i feel like we're probably going to see more of those do you agree sam yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you, you know, you uh, you reviewed the Alienware QD yeah. OLED monitor earlier this year. Beautiful that, computer. Yeah, that, beautiful. that that display was just it's gorgeous. And so I think we're gonna see a second generation of a lot of those, and that's really exciting because uh, as as nice as the Alienware monitor display was, it was like thirteen hundred dollars, so it was kind of pricey. So you know, love to see prices come down on those a little bit. Um, but you know, you know what? I've been I want to buy. I want to buy that screen and. You look at a lot of other monitors, Dell often sells monitors for over 2000 bucks. Other companies do as well. You look at well, how much does this Mac Studio display cost? Like, oh, yeah, you yeah. do the numbers among like high end screens, you're like 1300 bucks. That's for, for a thing that could last me like five plus years. Not bad. It's also been like on sale for under a thousand dollars over the holidays. So, okay, things are actually getting lower already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, moving uh, away from like panel tech or kind of jo- hopping on panel tech, um, I think we're going to see the the super high refresh rate displays. We're going to see more of those. Um, so there was a leak, uh, another leak <laughs> yeah. for Alienware's 500 hertz monitor. Um, oh, God. So I, I know people, this is like kind of mind numbing for some people because it's like the numbers just go up every year. I don't really care. Like some people are still using 60 hertz displays and it's, oh, this is fine. and you know what? It probably could be, but um, it's interesting to see how far companies are going to push these numbers, especially because you need to have the components to drive these displays too. And specifically, it's 1080p up to 500 hertz. It's actually 480 hertz, and you overclock it to 500 hertz. Uh, but 
it's for the crazy people, like the, the people playing like super fast, um, almost like low quality shooters because you want to get survivors. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I want to see 500 yeah. hertz vampires. I mean, the, yeah. that, that game runs with like super low requirements, so you might yes. actually be able to yeah. do it. You could actually yeah. deal with Vampire Survivors, but the whole point is like, okay, um, after testing that Alienware monitor and going back to like my standard ultra wide, which is 60 hertz, I do feel it. I do feel the loss of 144 hertz because like if I'm in Overwatch, I'm like, I just want to trying to aim the sniper rifle. And it's just a little herky jerky. It's a little bit, I can't quite get it where if you had more hertz, if you had a higher refresh rate, it's smoother. It's just like, okay, it, it almost feels like your your fingers are kind of thinking faster than your brain is when it comes to shooting. So I feel like that is what people are going for. Um, that's going to be a cool monitor. I feel like that's cool. We're seeing QD OLED. LG already announced that they're going to have more OLED gaming monitors in general too. Uh, you did a preview of that, right, Sam? Yeah. Uh, so they kind of quietly announced a brand new bunch of Ultra Gear gaming monitors um, in November in, in December. And I got to go hands-on with those. And those are gorgeous. And so the big thing for those is that OLED uh, usually doesn't have as high refresh rates as IPS displays, but LG made some 240 hertz OLEDs. There's a 27 inch and a 45 inch, um, and those that that 45 inch has an 800R curve, and it's just it's oh, really wild. I um, yeah. but that's just normal OLED, right? That's not QD OLED. Yeah, it's normal OLED, and so that one that's one that's one of the issues with those displays is that the max brightness is only about 200 nits, which is pretty low. Wow. Yeah. So, enough. so you okay. have to be in your gamer cave with no lights to yeah. to like make sure you you know get the full See benefits anything. of those things, and that's so that's rough. that's the trade off because it's like you know you're not going to put that in your nice sunny office because yeah. it's not it's not to meant that, for general productivity in the same to way. But that in gaming. perspective, like a TV with HDR, you typically want at least a thousand nits for like peak brightness or more. Uh, with um, not an OLED, but that would be like an LCD TV. An OLED TV would get to like six hundred to eight hundred nits, I believe. So. Okay, kind of rough. Um, anything else? I have else? a question. Yeah. What is the highest refresh rate of a, on a screen that you guys have tested, both of you? Tested? Um, 240 hertz, I believe, on some laptops. I haven't done a 360 hertz. Yeah, I've, I've seen some some 240 hertz. Razer announced some 300 hertz displays earlier this year. Um, you know, I, I've seen a 360 hertz, like, desktop monitor. Um, so for, for anyone who's, like, wondering what all these, like, numbers mean, so... Uh, People have like uh, tested that humans can perceive a difference up to a thousand hertz, but wow. the, the the big thing is that you generally don't notice a difference unless you jump up double of what you're used to. So 120 hertz to 240, 240 to 480, and so that's why that um you know for example that leaked Alienware monitor they're trying to hit that 480 500 hertz mark because you might actually notice a difference from people who are using the 240 hertz monitors that are available right now. Yeah, these things are not for everybody. Like, I feel like the higher up you go, the like smaller the audience of this particular, you know, hardware would be. Right. We're, we're, we're really getting into the weeds where like, you know, for hard, hardcore competitive gamers, you know, the, these players actually uh, like, you know, they can notice the difference. And for a lot of like the like big LAN tournaments, they use 24 inch 240 hertz panels. And that's kind of the standard display size for in-person competition. And so, you know, now that there's like a 27 inch with, uh, you know, like 240 hertz, you know, they might see bigger displays with high refresh be become more prevalent. But once again, we're, we're talking about like you really, really have to care about like specific games like Valorant or CSGO where you can even get those frame rates in the first place. Mm -hmm. 
when it comes to TVs, I'll just quickly say, because we, we're going to have to move on at some point, uh, we'll probably see more mini LED stuff and like higher higher brightness, like better backlighting on mini LED sets. Maybe we'll see something more around micro LED, which is the technology Samsung has been talking about on the wall, which is their sort of like um, almost like OLED, but can scale. You know, it's uh, it's also self-lit pixels, but it can scale quite a bit and should potentially like have much better quality. It depends. Uh, the wall and it's modular, so you can you know fit yeah. it to the size of your wall um, and yeah. really get like that full like sci-fi experience where you have like you know a room that's like built mm-hmm. with like a panel on the side. The wall was never something meant for normal humans, so I, I will say that. Like I think the install price was at least thirty thousand. You know, it was very expensive. It was yeah. very expensive. So you might as well just get like a little projector or, or like an ultra short throw or something. But hey, we're gonna see a lot of cool new TV tech this year. Uh, I wish I was there to see it. That's like the thing I miss because you can't just have somebody ship you a TV to test. You know, like I can get monitor, I could get monitors and laptops and stuff. I cannot get a TV very easily. Um, so yeah. Anything else you want to shout out? I want to talk about car stuff eventually, but Sherlyn, you want to talk about wearables and stuff. So we should probably highlight that before we run out of time. Yeah. So this year, um, as per usual, we are judging our own, uh, best of CES awards. I am in charge of the accessibility and the wearable category. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that as you know, I mean, we usually see a lot of wearables at CES. They're usually also just, it's a crapshoot of a category because so many things fall into their category, right? Like earbuds, like smartwatches, but then you also get the really weird wacky stuff. Like, uh, what, one year it was L'Oreal had like a UV sensor you could wear on your nails or something. And <laughs> it would, I don't know, tell you how much sun exposure or how much sunscreen to That's use. That's kind of cool. It is. I mean, that was one year. But this year, I think we're, I'm very hyped to see the wearable and accessibility spaces collide. I think we're going to see more and more stuff out of um, accessibility, the, the, the category, not just wheelchairs anymore. I think we're going to see very, very intriguing stuff. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that and working on later on because uh, we're talking about that. But yeah, um, I would say this CES is the best time of year for me to see stuff that's outside my normal purview of like laptops, smartphones, tablets, stuff that I, you know, cover that Sam doesn't, I guess. I don't weird, know. Weird stuff. <laughs> like weird stuff. We've already seen I love one the weird, weird gadget. We've seen... Um... <laughs> was it the Swiss Army lamp from from Lenovo? Yeah. Freaking mm-hmm. Lenovo! Of course, Lenovo. Yeah. Was it a lamp? Was it's it a, a lamp. Swiss Army lamp? It's a lamp. It's a lamp that is a 4K, what does it do? It's a 4K webcam. It's a lamp. It's also like maybe that just means like the thing to light up your face. It's a wireless Qi charging pad and has multiple USB C ports, and it costs three hundred twenty nine dollars. Huh. I don't. I don't. Mm-mm. I'm not gonna buy that. No. It's, I it's mean, just, it actually solves a lot of problems for you because it gives you both a desk light, like a light for your face, plus a webcam and everything. So, yeah. I would love that, but I don't trust Lenovo products. Don't trust Lenovo, folks. If there's one takeaway from this episode, uh, we, we don't trust Lenovo right now. <laughs> so that's it. Um, hey, there's going to be a lot of weird gadgets, and I feel like that is the most fun thing to like just wander yes. the show floor and like see what you can yes. find. I also yes. uh, love seeing cars at CES. Like I love seeing the beautiful hardware. Again, one of those things I can't easily test or like demo or touch on my own. Um, although I have reviewed a couple, so that's been cool. But we're probably going to see more EV stuff at CES. We're probably going to hear more about software integration in cars. Maybe uh, Apple did preview like what a next gen CarPlay experience could look like. So maybe eventually we'll see more of that. Maybe Android Auto, something around we'll that. We'll probably that could see. Match it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, like like you're like you're alluding to. There's a lot of car and entertainment systems we're probably going to see at CES. Yeah. Go ahead, Sam. So I was going to say Sony has already planted a flag where they are. They they, they told us <laughs> they, they have. haven't told us anything, but they said they are going to announce something at CES, and it could be like their production or concept for their joint partnership with with Honda. Uh, um, I did. So- I sat. I sat in the Sony electric, you know, EV, and uh, that it was weird. It was weird because like, huh? Sony made this car. That's really weird. And it had like this whole entertainment setup. It had really good speakers. Like it looked really cool. But I also couldn't wrap my head around the idea that well, why is Sony making a car? Just didn't, I, didn't I, quite make sense. I yeah. get the speaker side of things because yeah. they do make the best wireless earbuds. They do make great audio systems. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, what if they made this like a PlayStation car? So you know that, I mean? so <laughs> that, that's some of the rumors is that the yeah. car could, yeah. could have like a PS5 in it. Um, which That's I, the, whoa, it's such a bad idea, but, well, no. but, but is it though? Cause like, you People know, maybe, but obviously not while driving, but you could sit in a parking exactly. lot and like I have a great time to, uh, who is it? Who was in fast and furious one who had a PlayStation in their car? Was it Tyrese? It wasn't Tyrese. He's fast and furious too. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, you know what? The idea is cool. I don't think that's innovation. I don't think like putting a box that already exists and just sticking in your car. I could do that right now. I could do that right now. I put a little monitor in my car. It's fine. Right. What if what if they made like the passenger seat uh, belt, seat belt like touch sensitive and you can play Guitar Hero on the seat belt and that'll get your kids to fasten their seat belts. I don't know. I, I love I, where your head's at. This is this is yeah. great. <laughs> they need to hire me. Your your idea for a car already sounds like the Homer. So please please keep going. I want to hear mm-hmm. like the full Sherlin design the car. We'll keep <laughs> and going. What it would we'll look like. Uh, but yeah, more EV stuff. I feel like next year is going to be great for EVs in general because uh, the tax credits are going to be kicking in for a lot of other companies. We're still waiting. The whole thing about the tax credits is weird because the cars have to be built in the U.S. to kind of get the full amount of it. Um, so that's, that's not true of every single model right now. And also some states offer you additional tax benefits. So some people, like if you live in New Jersey you're actually in a better spot to get an electric car compared to a lot of other people. So. Sherlyn, you need to get your Hell driver's yeah. license. No, no, no. You need to get your driver's license first. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, is, this, is, your this is your sh- your public shaming of, hey, go get your driver's license. <laughs> I tried. You know I tried. I told you I tried. I just had issues. It's hard. I, I, and, I know. Uh, city, uh, the I know the paperwork is very annoying, but uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's got to be done. Paperwork. The paperwork and also yeah. like learning to drive and not being terrified of driving, especially in ah, I already got that. <laughs> I already got that. I've been driving. I don't know about this. Big bumper cars. Big bumper cars. So you know what? That, that's it. Like we're expecting a whole bunch of different things at CES. Um, we're all in the midst of like writing up early news. Um, when is coverage actually going to kick off? You think? Like, mm-hmm. well, we the team are going to be there January second to seventh. Uh, day one is January fourth, I believe. Sam, correct me if I'm wrong. Might be fifth. Fourth uh, might be the media preview. And then news day, t- and- typically goes out before yeah. day one. Yeah. So Media I'm going to tell you is the third fourth is mm-hmm. and then like the, the official show starts on the fourth. Okay. Cause uh, I know a lot of the embargoes lift on the fourth or me some even on the fifth. Um, so I would say start expecting to see the news around that time. Just keep it locked to engadget.com. You might see some fun videos starring me or Sam. Yeah. Uh, It'll be fun. It'll, you know, I'm going to get really unhinged to see. Yeah. Us, Follow us so. on TikTok. Like we have been trying to make some more TikToks. Maybe we could get some on the ground TikToks at CES. That's uh, my whole job at CES. Mm-hmm. Make funny content. I don't want to do actual work. Content. I'm just going to run around and make funny videos. Okay, let's move on to some other news. And I, I, you just want to shout out a bunch of things, Sherlyn. Like what, what is up? What's going on the site? 
So on the site, the last two weeks and heading into the new year, we've been publishing stories from our year in review package, the end of year package. Uh, we've got some great stories. I saw just this um, story about how 2022 was a year of handheld gaming did really well, uh, especially on YouTube. And yeah, it was. We just talked about it. Um, myself, I helped put together the best uh, the winners and losers in tech, really. And uh, tech's biggest winners we talked about last episode as well as the losers, but it's now written. It's on the site. Go check it out. Uh, Devendra and Sam both wrote uh, parts of that package. And then we've got Carissa talking about how Meta's first year didn't do really well. And I also saw an article maybe today or yesterday about how the Metaverse just isn't taking off after its first year because VR headset sales mm-hmm are so bad they're so, real bad and they raise the price of their vr headset so exactly sam you you also wrote something for our uh site-wide end of year package right mm-hmm. yep uh so i wrote something we were, we talked about this earlier but i uh, i did a roundup of some of the coolest uh new monitors for this year because i was just really kind of taken aback by like how many different things that we got because it wasn't we got a bunch of different types of gaming displays but we also got like stuff like lg's dual up monitor which is a really weird 16 by 18 aspect ratio so it's almost square um and so that's like return to square monitors is kind of weird but also fun um and then the uh corsair uh just recently announced that their flexible oled uh gaming monitor goes on sale and you can actually bend this thing back Ooh. and forth uh why and so i th- th- okay that's the question <laughs> yes absolutely um but yeah, okay corsair go go do go do your thing like throw throw some weird ideas on the wall uh yeah absolutely dev you also wrote something right that you wanted to shout out i think uh, I mean, listen, I wrote about, uh, I had some blurbs in Winners and Losers. I mean, I wrote about our, our holiday um, binge sessions, too, yes. like things for you to binge. So go check it out. It's basically a roundup of all the shows I have uh, recommended over the years. We've also updated a bunch of our guides, too. So if you want, like, the last, the latest sort of, like, laptop buying guide advice and things like that, like, we have it all up there. My VR guide <laughs> is actually smaller than it was last year because, like, nothing new nothing really new and i'm not going to recommend the uh the quest pro because nobody really needs that so it's a lot there's no, app, lot there's no apps. apps for it yet there's no real apps and it's not worth it it's not worth it for most people and uh yeah it, it's kind of a mess but you know what let's move on to what we've been working on i just feel like it's all cs right for everybody hell yeah CS i mean i'm time. still trying to I'm still trying to finish up my um, final year, end of year piece, which I'm horrendously behind on. Sorry, James, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, CES planning and prepping and getting on a plane and trying not to be sick. We're all trying not to be sick. That's the thing. Sam, anything you want to shout out? Anything unique you're working on? Not much. I think you know, if you if you like the Steam Deck, keep an eye on my review after CES for the, the Ionia 2. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by, by that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the performance is way better, and the screen is way nicer, and it's mm. smaller than the Steam Deck. Man, so that okay. that that sounds great. The downside is that it's more expensive. It's like almost double the price. It's the price of a PC, basically. So. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's that's just kind of rough. I do have a in addition to CS stuff. I have a review that came kind of out of nowhere, and I'm not going to talk about it yet. But there will be review stuff I'll talk about next week. And the timing of that is is kind of surprising. So, hey, I'm working hey, on that. Yeah. I also want to give you all kind of a tease. Right after CES, I'm sure me and Sam are still going to be very busy with uh, with uh, some stuff. Usually right after CES, some things happen. Y'all can take a guess what. So <laughs> Very enigmatic. Hmm. I don't know. Let's move on to our pop culture picks of the week. And uh, I, Sherlyn, you've been so excited. You've been so excited <laughs> to talk about your picks. 
What's up? I have three, and I think they've all been mentioned on this show before, so I'm going to blaze right through some of them. Uh, first of all, White Lotus. I finished season two. It was great. Yep, if y'all, so I know, I know, Dev has talked about it before. So I'm not good. sure if Sam's seen it. Sam, you and Monica, your wife, will love this. <laughs> it, it's next. It's next on the list. Um, we're we're okay. we, we've cleared most of our backlog, so that's definitely next up. Because um, your wife is going to enjoy the really awful people in both series, uh, both seasons <laughs> of the series. Okay. Um, the other pick was um, what everyone's been talking about all throughout this episode, Vampire Survivors. I've been hooked, but I really want a controller for it. So Sam, I might try to grab the Ionio from you after That's you're too done much, or too something. too much power for no, you. No, yeah, yeah, you're not allowed. You, you, <laughs> what? You, what you, can you, I? I'll let you borrow my Steam Deck. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it. Okay. Okay, I'll put it in an order for a Steam Deck or something. And then finally, uh, I've been starting to watch after White Lotus. Uh, my friends finally convinced me, and I know Devendra's going to get mad because you've probably asked me to watch this before. Hacks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're watching it. But yeah. You're so angry. I love it. It's only two uh, years yes, ago that I told you to watch, or last year is when it premiered. Yeah. Yes, I've been watching Hacks and it's good. Uh, it's it's fun. I love Gene Smart. Uh, and a lot of the characters in there are just larger than life and just hilarious and awesome. Um, and the main character is kind of annoying at first, but you grow to like her and I, I, mm. I enjoy that. Yeah, I feel, I feel somehow very familiar with that concept. So. Yeah. Oh, hmm, well, yeah. yeah, me yeah. too. Oh, I don't know about the liking them after. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> Go on, Sam. Do you have anything? Yes. Um. So I, I think because for me, like, I'm always trying to find like little pockets of time that I can waste. Um, so from the gaming side, I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. Um, it's you know I want to play that too. Okay. Yeah, okay, I, I, I know. I know that you will Marvel. destroy you, Sherlin. Like, yeah, all your free time gone. So it's it's basically this is uh, Marvel's version of uh, Hearthstone, and it's by the developer Ben Brode. He runs um, Second Dinner, who is the studio in charge of Marvel Snap. So he has you know a long history of. Uh, you know, experience in the the mobile card game space. Um, and it's really good. It's still a little bit bare bones right now. So you, there's no like actual versus mode. Like you can't play your friends. It's just like a rank. It's just, the only the only mode right now is a rank ladder. But if you want to get into it, um, you know, you, you can start collecting cards now and learning the different play styles and it's stuff a, like that. It's a fun little card game. I also, it really, did you collect Marvel cards and X-Men cards when you were a kid, Sam? Because I Girl. totally did. Yeah. Girl? Yeah. I collected Pokemon cards. I had the best. I'm not talking about Pokemon, Pokemon card cards. Talk about it. the grown up stuff. X Men wow. cards. Wow. Yeah. And, and so th this is actually this is a good point because this is what kind of what I always wanted from those cards yes. because like yeah. those old comic book cards that they had like they gave like power ratings to like Cyclops and Colossus and all that. But you there was no game behind it and, and now there is and it's like Oh, this is awesome. And like the the roster of characters is like pretty it's already like surprisingly deep. And you know, because each game only takes like three minutes, uh you it's can so fit fast. it mm -hmm. you can fit a game in pretty much any time, which is like especially if you like you have kids, like you, you can't sit down and play an hour long whatever anything. But you you know, you can hop on and play like, you know, two or three uh minute games. And and that's uh something I really appreciate. I like it just for the art of the cards too. Like yeah, I, used totally. to just, good. I used to just get the cards and be like an ogle at the comic book art because they have like, um, who's it like Claremont or I don't know. Uh, there, there's a lot of different people, uh, especially like classic Marvel stuff from the eighties and nineties. And the nineties stuff is what I grew up with. And it just looks beautiful. And the cards get upgraded over time. They get a little 3d, they get yep, all sorts yep. of features as you get better. So 
I, it's beautiful. I think you would get addicted to Trillin if you start playing. This. I already started. I don't know. I've got I got <laughs> a starter right pack with Spider Man, Rogue, and Star Lord right now. I'm fighting against Electro, Wasp, and Sentinel. <laughs> I love this, this is- live gameplay report. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, we did that last episode too, where I played the shortest game of Vampire Horror ever just known just to failed, man. Just failed. <laughs> it was two seconds, game over. Bye. It oh man, uh, I want to quickly shout out uh, two things: Emily the Criminal, the Aubrey Plaza movie. That came out this year. And did you see that? Did you talk about it? I feel like. I thought you were going to talk about the other Emily I'm show. Gonna, that, oh, everyone's no, I'm not going to talk about the other Emily show. I'm going <laughs> to talk about Emily the Criminal, the only Emily that matters to me. But I, I've always <laughs> loved Aubrey Plaza. This is a show about her um, as sort of like an, a down on her luck 20-something who has a criminal record, who can't quite get a good job because of that. And the stain, it kind of leaves on her reputation. But also it's a movie about like where we are today, like how much this world in our like capitalist society, like basically can break you down and turn you to a criminal. If you like, you can't survive within it. If you like, can't get a good job. If uh, people don't take you seriously, it's very easy to see like how somebody would make uh, decisions that could lead them into a criminal life. I think the movie is really thrilling. Like it is, it is an edge of your seat type of movie. There, there is a car chase in this movie with Aubrey Plaza, and I did not expect that. So I feel like it escalates really well. It's a great thriller, Sherlyn. I think you would dig it because it's a big I like, might. oh, don't go in there. Don't do that. What's what's going to happen now type of movie. Um, it will definitely get you shouting at the screen. I think it's great. I think Aubrey Plaza is great. So this is on Netflix right now. So it's worth checking out. Also want to shout out Babylon, the new Damien Chazelle movie that everybody yeah. kind of hates right now. But you know what? If you want... Um, a three hour plus movie that dives into like the excesses of early Hollywood, but there's also a crazy wild ride. Like I, I cannot say some of the things that happen in the first five minutes of this movie on this podcast, because it's okay. maybe a little too much for, for the youngins. Um, but like, it's wild. It's a weird, wild, wild ride. Um, Brad Pitt's great. Margot Robbie's great in it. Gene Smart's in this too, actually playing oh, okay. a sort of entertainment journalist. And she, she is just fantastic. So, this movie is not for everybody. I can see why it's getting like tanking uh, critically yeah. and with audience ratings. But for me, for somebody who loves Damien Chazelle and his like virtuoso filmmaking, I think it's fantastic. Um, Sam, I feel like you want to shout out something else, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess this is, this is the other big Christmas yeah. movie, uh, Glass Onion on Netflix. Glass Onion. Yeah, I, that, I so want to watch that so bad. I mm-hmm. heard so many good things. Yeah. So it, this is the on. sequel to Ryan Johnson's uh, Knives Out. Um, so it's kind of like a murder mystery whodunit. But um, this one's a little bit more uh, comedic. I think it's like a little bit more topical in a way because, you know, the, the one of the main characters, Miles Braun, is sort of like your Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk stand in. So Straight he's kind tech of like, bro. like he's yeah, the amalgamation tech, of all billionaire the tech, tech bro. And yeah. and so it's all, a little bit of like a social commentary a little bit. And I think but there there's an influencer. There's somebody mm-hmm. who basically lives in like the empty and empty world of politics. I, too. Like I saw, I saw your reaction. You, you heard influencers. Like, Shut you, up. You, yeah, you saw, you, actually. You and targeted. I'm looking at this picture side by side of Sherlyn and the influencer character. And I was like, you know what? It, it actually fits. Even, even the like shaded hair color actually fits. <laughs> Excuse me. I paid big money to have it. No, mm-hmm, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, subtweeting. Okay. No, I, I can't wait to watch Glass Onion myself, but it did seem like it was a funnier version. I think it's I funny. saw like a trailer where Daniel Craig was like dancing around or something. No, that 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 was a commercial for something else. That was a commercial for vodka, I think, or something like that. Like it was great. It was great him doing the like Christopher Walken like dancing music video thing. Um, but this, I do think this movie is funnier. But uh, the first Knives Out is pretty funny. Like I think Ryan Johnson can be a really yeah, funny writer at times. 
but this one leads into a level of, of absurdity and also celebrity cameos that I think are outright hilarious. So yeah, it's great. It's a ton of fun. I saw it. I was also happy to see like in the theater and actually have a theater crowd with it where it's great on Netflix, but this movie played so well with the crowd. I feel like Netflix made a huge mistake by not just giving it a wider release, you know? That's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter. I'm also on the Mastodon, so you can find my toots at, at Davindra at mastodon.social. I think that's the way it works. And I also do the uh, Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. And you can find Sam on the interwebs at... At Sam Rutherford on Twitter. And as always, on Engadget.com. If you want to send me your favorite games on Steam Deck, which I still do not have, you can send them on uh, Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe. I am also on the Mastodon at Sherlyn at Kopit.am. <laughs> it's K-O-P-I-T-I dot A-M. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast platform that you're using and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts.